Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and with us today is another returning guest here to tell us all about a subject that I at least don't know much about. It's Brian! Hi, I'm Brian. Uh, you can find me and the podcast I'm primarily on on Twitter at RoomwarePod. I use he, him pronouns, and I'll go through the more extensive list of garbage I have to plug at the end of the podcast. Excellent. <laughs> so you, I think you messaged us like a year ago. I think you messaged us about this actually before we had you on the first time. Uh, almost certainly. I think I've been, I've been poking. This is, uh... So here's the fun here's the fun thing. The thing I've been trying to I've been bugging you guys about about coming on the show. I had this very complex idea. And then I sat down, I looked at the idea and I'm like, this isn't in the spirit of the show. It was really just talk taking like a storyline and turning it into another medium, which I know like is not necessarily like against the spirit of the show, but I'm like, this doesn't feel like brainstorming fan fiction. So I rejiggered everything after building this idea for a year and i'm like it's not good enough and so i went back to the fucking drawing board <laughs> that is fascinating <laughs> um but yes uh, i don't know if my uh my my really dumb clue went through last uh last recording but yeah i'm here to talk about wrestling i'm gonna fantasy book an entire wrestling storyline great okay <laughs> cool <laughs> No, L- Lindsay, do you know wrestling? I know it is mostly basically soap opera for very man- manly dudes who don't want to admit that they're watching soap operas. <laughs> so that is that was fairly true, especially in the 1990s and like probably all the way up until about like 2014 or so. But I would say like the vast, ma- like everybody I watch wrestling with is queer and fuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> See, that's the thing. So, like, I grew up in a household that said, like, they never banned me from watching wrestling, but they definitely said, Tanner, why would you want to watch wrestling? All it does is promote wanton violence and being mean. It does do that, yeah. At least Power Rangers has a purpose, and you can go learn about karate at karate class. We don't really want to send you to professional wrestling class. Um, and now all of my friends watch wrestling, and I've truly found out that the the way I like to uh, ingest wrestling is just purely secondhand. I don't want any context. Just show me a bunch of gift sets of hot, sweaty, bloody men. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great for that. Like, it is uh, wrestling portions of the wrestling community. This is not entirely like I'm not here to say that wrestling is this entirely unproblematic fave because it's problematic as fuck all the time forever. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, wrestling has evolved significantly since the 1990s, uh, and I, I would say it's no longer like the soap opera for for hetero dudes who don't want to admit they want drama in their lives. Uh, to it's the soap opera for people who are now in on the joke. Because uh, like kayfabe died, kayfabe died in 1992. Uh, <laughs> kayfabe died in like 1956, but whatever. Uh, so it was declared dead with the Montreal screw job. I've heard about that one. Uh, it's the well, it's the Montreal screw job. Kayfabe has died many deaths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's the Montreal screw job, and before that, there was the Madison Square Garden um incident. Uh, before that, uh, the Iron Sheik and Junkyard Dog got busted in a car with pot together, even though one was a good guy and one was a bad guy. But, like, all the way back in the 40s, sports writers were had already stopped reporting on wrestling because everybody knew it was rigged. Uh, so that's when K- kayfabe died almost immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I really feel like nobody in the 1980s could possibly believe that, like, The Undertaker was a real thing. <laughs> like, he was already a weird undead zombie in, like, the early 1990s. It was fucking out the window by then. <laughs> But yeah, for those uninitiated, I guess, wrestling, uh, professional wrestling, not not amateur wrestling, it is hilarious that the non-predetermined event is the amateur one and the professional one is not uh, a real contest. <laughs> but yeah, professional wrestling is a predetermined fight uh, where two people get into the ring um, and they tell a story through uh, acrobatics and 
you know, usually pre-planned spots, sometimes not, who knows, but they tell, they get in there and they tell a, a story. It's unlike any other weird, it's unlike any other performance art uh, that's out there. And yeah, I'm going to sit here and tell, call professional wrestling art. It made me cry. It's made me cry on multiple occasions. So like it gets to be art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but today we are here to talk about the run of Kenny Omega. Uh, maybe one of the best professional wrestlers to ever lace up a pair of boots. Uh, recently, he was AEW champion, where he had the storyline of being the belt collector, where he went to other companies and stole th- and, and won their belts from their champions and held all of them. The problem is, this storyline happened during 2020 uh, and was hampered by the world. Yeah, (laughs) and I don't feel like got to the heights that it could be. So today we're gonna rebook this motherfucker, and we're gonna not necessarily ignore that, but we're gonna basically allow Kenny to go to Japan. (laughs) That's the important part. Kenny goes to Japan. Back to Japan. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, quick rundown of our players in this story. Kenny Omega is a professional wrestler. He's been wrestling for quite a number of years. He made his name in Japan. Uh, where he had started out in a tag team with Kota Ibushi. They were known as the Golden Lovers. I've heard uh, of this story. <laughs> yes. They were a phenomenal tag team, but eventually went their separate ways. Through many, many twists and turns, uh, they came back together, uh, and Kenny won the biggest championship uh, in Japan, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the main belt of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Very short after that, he lost that belt and left the company and joined with a number of friends and Tony Khan, one of the owners of the um, Panthers uh, football team, uh, to start All Elite Wrestling, uh, AEW, the second biggest uh, wrestling promotion in America, the biggest one being WWE. There, Kenny was supposed to be the ace like he already was, uh, in New Japan, he was supposed to be the biggest fucking thing, but he he didn't win the title at their very first pay-per-view. He lost to Chris, or not their very first pay-per-view, but their first big pay-per-view. He lost uh, to Chris Jericho and did not become the AEW champion. And then he kind of languished in the mid-card for over a year, kind of telling the story of like a guy who couldn't get his shit together uh, until finally Kenny decided to go back to his roots uh, and got into tag team wrestling with his friend Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page. Adam Page was already on the outs of Kenny's group, the Elite, that's Kenny and his friends Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. But Kenny and Hangman had chemistry. They did really well. They didn't get quite along, though, and Hangman was going through a really rough time. Uh, This is all storyline stuff. Hangman Page is, in fact, fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But he was going through a really rough time. Paranoia set in, uh, and he ended up costing his friends, the Young Bucks, a chance at the titles that he and Kenny were holding and eventually got duped by a tag team called FTR uh, and lost the tag team belts that night where Kenny turned on Hangman uh, and decided to go his own way. Uh, this led to Kenny going through a number one contendership tournament that he won. And eventually he faced John Moxley, the current champion of AEW. They did this on Winter is Coming. Uh, it's not a pay-per-view, because AEW only does four pay-per-views a year, they don't do one every month like WWE does, uh, but they'll do special events of their TV call, uh, like on Wednesday nights, they usually give them fun, fun names. So winter is coming, big event, Kenny wins the belt, uh, by fully turning heel, cheating, uh, striking John Moxley with a microphone in the head, and then giving, delivering, uh, his finishing move, the one-winged angel. By the way, Kenny Omega's a big fucking nerd. this is very important kenny omega had a video game gimmick for a long time his finishing move is the one wing angel uh he does a v trigger which is uh like a high knee and also a thing from street fighter he has the dr (laughs) wily bomb uh and he used to hadoken people (laughs) he does that less now kenny omega is a big fucking nerd and this is incredibly important to his character is that because of like uh like copyright trademark situations no, he still does the one wing angel that's his finishing move it's actually the most protected move in all of professional wrestling nice uh, the one wing angel has only been kicked out like only one person in like the history of professional wrestling has kicked out of the one wing angel <laughs> and he's been doing this move for like 12 years 
This is also very important. Uh, so, Kenny Omega has become a bad guy. He has teamed up with his longtime friend Don Callis, who is the president of Impact Wrestling. Uh, he also immediately starts gooning up with some old friends of his from a, a group that he led in Japan called the Bullet Club. They're called the Good Brothers. Um, the term but, gooning has taken like a different meaning for me lately, so I had to mentally realign myself with the time period you're discussing and the, the demographic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I probably could have chosen that word, uh, better. Uh, <laughs> so Kenny Omega was gooning and baiting. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Good Brothers, they were simping hard for Kenny Omega. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he gets it in his mind that he wants to go after every belt. Though, so he goes to Mexico. This is, these are still real facts. Ten days after he, he wins the AEW title, he goes to Mexico and wins the AAA, AAA being one of the biggest promotions in Mexico. There's basically AAA and CMLL, and he won AAA's main title. Uh, and then at this point, uh, John Moxley wants revenge for being cheated out of his belt, and he challenges Kenny Omega through a lot of shenanigans— uh, he challenges Kenny Omega to an exploding barbed wire death match. Those are real things that happened. Uh, <laughs> it's a match where all the ropes are replaced with barbed wire. Also, they explode when you touch them. <laughs> uh, the match did not end quite as well because the big climactic explosion didn't go off. So just kind of a lot of sparklers went off and it wasn't <laughs> very good. But up in, it's 99% a phenomenal match. Uh, lots of, like, drama. It's very, very good. Right up until that final explosion doesn't go off. <laughs> um, but now we have finally cemented Kenny Omega as the, he is at the top of the mountain, especially when it comes to U.S. promotions. Or right, let's say North American promotions, because he's got the, the uh, AAA belt. This is uh, where we're gonna, well, there's one more thing that happens in real life. He goes after the Impact title eventually wins that off of Rich Swan. So Kenny Omega is dripping with gold. And in the real world, this is kind of where that storyline stopped. Like, lots of people were going for his belt. Um, he had a lot of good matches um, in this time period, but the problem was he only really had these three belts, and it was fairly unprecedented for, like, this... I mean, it's only three companies, but having three wrestling promotions all working with the same talent being featured on each other's programming and everything like that. That's not necessarily a thing that happens, uh, especially in North American wrestling very often. Mm -hmm. um, but it was hampered by the pandemic. Kenny couldn't travel as much as he wanted to. And the storyline sort of petered out because Kenny couldn't reach what the natural conclusion is, which is Kenny goes to Japan and fights for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, it always felt like it was being teased. Some new Japan talent had come into AEW, but travel restrictions being what they were at the time, they really shut that down. And so the storyline, the belt collecting section of the storyline petered out, uh, and Kenny would eventually lose the title. We're going to change a few things uh, to add a little bit more drama to the belt collecting because I loved belt collector Kenny Omega because <laughs> uh, Kenny is the best when he's a bad guy, but Kenny Omega is like the worst bad guy and I love to watch it. <laughs> he's okay. like believable as a bad guy, but he's like bad at being mean <laughs> uh, and it's it's beautiful. So Kenny Omega in our in our new world, we're rewriting time. Listen as all of time and space is torn asunder uh, as I rewrite history. Kenny Omega has be defeated Rich Swan for the I or for the Impact Championship. He then decides to turn his sights on the other biggest promotion that's not WWE. WWE is never going to be featured in this this fantasy booking. There's fantasy booking, and then there's literal impossibility of WWE ever working with another company. Uh, <laughs> So WWE is never going to factor into this, so don't get your hopes up. He's not going to fight Roman. So Kenny turns his 
uh, his attention to the next biggest promotion in North America, and that's Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has always been the scrappy super indie. Uh, it's where the you're going to find the pound for pound some of the best wrestling and wrestlers in North America. It just doesn't take off because usually it has real lot of problems getting TV deals and the pandemic did not do them any favors. So Kenny Omega, uh, he sets his sights on ROH. To do this, he has another match in AAA. He defends his title against the emerging Andrade, who has just been released from WWE. Uh, he had made his big name in AAA. He returned to his home promotion and was fighting with Kenny Omega. Kenny, with the help of the Good Brothers, uh, in AAA, he beats Andrade. Not only does he beat Andrade, because he's really trying to submit himself as, like, this bad guy. Kenny Omega is a person whose stories are always defined by not feeling good enough. Uh, when he was in Japan, he always felt like he was in somebody's shadow, and it always pushed him to go, to push harder, and to be somebody he's not really at his core. When he wanted to... Um, to rise up the ranks in New Japan, he saddled up with the Bullet Club and became a bad guy, but it always, always felt like it didn't fit him. It always felt like he was putting on a performance of this is what the bad guy is supposed to look like, because he wanted to be cool, he wanted to be liked, and he wanted to win. Uh, but at, deep down, he's not really that guy. Uh, and so we get a lot of like performative actions from Kenny. And in AAA, one of those actions is they beat the ever-living shit out of Andrade. Uh, beat him in the middle of the ring. Uh, they hit him with chairs. They do all kinds of your wrestling stuff. They just leave him broken in the middle of the ring, him and the Good Brothers. This really pisses off the Ring of Honor champion, Roosh, who is Andrade's best friend. Uh, so Roosh decides, well, fuck you, Kenny Omega. I'm coming for your ass. Uh... But Kenny Omega is sort of dodging Roosh at this point because he now, now realizes that he's overstepped his line. Uh, but Roosh keeps showing up on AEW TV, goading Kenny Omega into a match. And then finally, we have a match between Roosh and Kenny Omega on uh, AEW TV because ROH was having a whole lot of issues when it came to their taping at the time. They only had one pay-per-view in the entirety of 2020 when they usually have about four to six. Um, so... He beats Roosh, again, with the help of the Good Brothers, but this time not just the Good Brothers, but his old friends, the Young Bucks, who are also fucking tired of losing, and remember their days in the Bullet Club with Kenny Omega. So the Elite is back together, uh, the Super Elite, in fact, and this is where we find Kenny Omega. He is at the top of not just one, but four different mountains. He is draped in gold, uh, and everybody is coming, coming at him. He is defending himself against all comers, uh, pushing himself extremely hard, uh, as hard as he possibly can. And the more that he pushes himself, the more he ends up relying on interference from the Young Bucks, from the Good Brothers, from Don Callis, and not relying on his actual wrestling abilities because he's he's tired. He's he's a bad guy who is a fighting champion, uh, and. He also is a fighting champion for four different promotions. <laughs> um, and so he's pushing himself way too hard. And everybody keeps asking him the question, uh, well, why aren't you going to Japan? Kenny is dismissive of it. He doesn't want to go back to Japan. He says that, oh, I've already won that title. I don't need that. I've looked, you know, I've got the most prestigious belt in wrestling. I've got the AEW championship. About this time, a new member of the Cabal... Uh, the super elite uh, arrives, and that's Adam Cole, baby. Uh, <laughs> Adam Cole was released from NXT uh, around this time, and Adam Cole, uh, good friends with the Young Bucks until they killed him, but he's better now, so they're they're all good. Uh, okay. <laughs> Does that happen a lot in wrestling? Um, you'd be surprised how many people die and then come back, like the X Men. Yeah, uh, in store, like, what happened is the Young Bucks have a vlog called Being the Elite, and Adam Cole, when he got signed to WWE, they killed him in one of their vignettes to explain <laughs> why he's not showing up anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then he just kind of arrived, they're like, oh, Adam, you're alive. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, looks, you know, I was dead there for a few years. <laughs> 
Um, it really is like a soap opera. <laughs> it is very much like that. <laughs> I was dead, but then I came back, and now I have telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> when is the return of prominent visions? Uh, I'll remind me to tell you about the cheerleader who got sprayed with black mist and became evil in AEW. <laughs> that's that's literally like a year's worth of plots that happen in passions. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Adam Cole arrives Adam Cole Uh, Cole is a guy who wants to be at the top of the ladder but realizes that's where Kenny is Uh, but he chafes significantly against this Kenny keeps dismissing the IWGP championship meanwhile in Japan Tetsuo Naito who is the IWGP champion he's gonna remain the IWGP champion for the entire year of 2020 I'm also rebooking New Japan a little bit uh, because <laughs> okay. evil there's a guy in J- New Japan called evil he was only re- he only recently became a bad guy he was a good guy for a real long time um he was still named evil when he was a good guy though he won the belt for a little while in 2020 it was like an experiment to see if Evil could carry the company, Super couldn't, and uh, Naito won the belt back from him just a little bit later. <laughs> so we're just gonna take his, his uh, we're gonna take his title reign out, out of things. Naito doesn't take uh, kindly to being dissed, uh, so he starts calling out Kenny. Uh, he's calling him out in interviews, Kenny is constantly still trying to dodge Naito, he has an aversion to New Japan. Till finally, Naito, in his boys... The Los Inglo and Nobles de Japón, L.I.J. for short, uh, they show up in AEW and attack the Super Elite, attack Kenny. This incenses Kenny, and finally he says, all right, at All Out, one of the big pay-per-view, like, AEW only has four pay-per-views a year, so they're all kind of big, but All Out is, like, the big one. At All Out, it's you and me, I want the IWGP Championship. But I'm not putting my if you want the if you want to fight me so bad, I'm going for the IWGP championship. I'm not putting any of my belts on the line. So it's everything on you, nothing on me. Right? Bad guy shit. Yeah. Naito accepts because he fucking like he doesn't take kindly to being dismissed. Uh crucially though, there is a that's in August. All outs in September. Near the end of August, uh, there is a a New Japan pay-per-view called Summer Struggle. Uh, Naito wrestles Kota Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and also technically the Intercontinental Championship, but I'm just going to keep it to one belt to make things simpler. Naito also had two belts at this time. It's very confusing. Uh, (laughs) uh, He loses his IWGP Championship to Kota Ibushi. Uh, Kenny Omega's longtime friend, Frankly, the person Kenny cares about most in the world, who he hasn't really seen or talked to since starting all new all or all elite all elite wrestling, blah. Um, Kota was kind of left. He decided to stay in New Japan while Kenny decided to go start AEW. Uh, not necessarily. There was no bad blood between them, but you know, communications break down. Right. This is not new for Kenny and Kota. Immediately. Kenny's uh, demeanor changes. He doesn't want to talk about it. He tries to cut promos uh, about um, the situation because the match is still happening. He still has an IWGP championship match coming up at All Out, but it's no longer against Naito, a guy he has a history with, a guy who has Kenny has beaten. He knows that he can beat, but also has beaten Kenny in very crucial moments in his career. Uh, But now he faces Kota. Kota Ibushi is some kind of wrestling god. He's like an <laughs> alien who was programmed to wrestle and only wrestle, and he's so fucking good at wrestling. Uh, he's chiseled out of marble and also looks like a like a twee little like elf. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's also uh, unbelievably impressive in the ring. And crucially, Kenny has never beaten Coda in one-on-one competition, or even in, like, if they've never, I don't think they've ever faced each other in tag teams, but he and Kota have wrestled probably about, I think, three or four times, and Kota has won every single time, and crucially, through this entire run, Kenny has been winning with the one-wing angel. Uh, It's his finishing move. Even when he cheats, he still uses it on people, because he wants to cement 
nobody kicks out of the one-winged angel. There's only one man who's ever kicked out of the one-winged angel, and that's Kota Ibushi. Kenny can barely bring himself to get to this match. Don Callis, the the good brothers, and Adam Cole are all talking in his ear, uh, but finally Kenny is like, listen, I've got to face Kota. I've got to do it by myself. We have a history. He, I still consider him my friend. Uh, he's not, like, but he is standing in the way of my dream. And I want to face him. I'm going to face him alone. I don't want you guys down at the rink. The Young Bucks, who have been Kenny's friend for a long time, uh, understand the importance of, the, of this to him, and they stay in the back. Adam Cole, who wants his faction to be the top fucking faction, does not. So, the match comes, and it is a big fuck. like, it's all out main event. The whole audience is losing their fucking minds, because Kota Ibushi is in America, and he's wrestling Kenny Omega. Yeah. Uh, big fancy entrances, whole nine yards. The match is an absolute barn burner because these two could literally not put on a bad match at, ever. <laughs> I, I would say that they could have a, a be- like a great match against a broom, but Kota Ibushi has wrestled a blow-up doll and Kenny Omega has wrestled a 10-year-old child and they both were phenomenal matches. <laughs> oh my god. Did the child win? No, uh, I believe Kenny uh, enziguried her fucking head off. It was great. Oh, good. <laughs> he beat the shit out of this child. She put up a good fight, but he did beat the shit out of a child. <laughs> it was great. It's called equality. It truly. <laughs> um, you should also look up gifts of Kota Ibushi wrestling a blow-up doll. It's very, very funny. <laughs> Kenny takes over the match uh, at the start. He is doing well, but eventually Kota starts getting momentum. He starts hitting back. He starts taking over this match. And that's when the Good Brothers and Adam Cole rush down to the ring. Kenny is distracted by them, as opposed to the other way that's supposed to go around. He wants them gone. Um, But through their interference, they end up costing Kenny the match. I I am assuming he loses the match to the Phoenix Splash. That's Coda's kind of quintessential finisher. It's very, very uh, impressive. It's also, I believe, what Kenny has lost to every time that he's, uh, he's wrestled Coda. Kenny does not get the one-winged angel off on Kota Ibushi, though. That's very crucial in this match. Uh, <laughs> Kota only gets to kick out of it one time. I feel like you need to, to, to keep the air of the one-winged angel intact. But Kenny has lost. He is devastated. He has conquered every challenge so far with these people at his back. This time he came up short because of these people that he's decided to surround himself with. And that's when the House of Cards starts falling down. Everybody in the world smells the blood in the water. So people start working their way out of the the woodwork to uh, take Kenny down. Uh, we're going to start with the AAA Mega Championship. Andrade wants revenge for the beatdown that he's given, that Kenny gave him. Uh, so he challenges Kenny Omega to uh, a, a, a cage match to keep all of his interfering jackass buddies out of the way uh, in Arena de Mexico and eventually beats Kenny. Uh, Kenny with the with the Impact Championship, while Kenny's been going around collecting belts, somebody else decided to follow this mold. Uh, Diano Parazzo is a phenomenal wrestler, uh, and she was at one point in time the Impact Women's Champion and the AAA Reinas de Reinas Champion. Nice. And she's like, "Well, fuck it. I don't have any more challenges around here. I want I want to show who the real belt collector is here, Kenny Omega." And in an absolute barn burner of a match where, again, the Good Brothers and Adam Cole end up costing Kenny Omega the match, Diano Parazzo takes the Impact Heavyweight Championship off of Kenny Omega. And then, finally, he is left with just the AEW title and the ROH title. Nobody in ROH can stand up to Kenny Omega. He, he may be having a bad time, but he's still Kenny by God Omega, a guy who has had maybe some of the best matches in the history of professional wrestling. There's only one man who could really stand up to him, a guy who's constantly talked about in the same conversations as Kenny Omega, and that's Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan of WWE, who lets his WWE contract lapse so he can go wrestle in AEW. Uh, He takes on Kenny Omega for the ROH Championship, a belt that he put on the map when he was wrestling in ROH back in like 2008. And I probably got that date wrong. <laughs> uh, but he 
and Kenny have an absolute barn burner of a match. It's a 60-minute time limit, and they go 59-59. It is uh, an absolute war with with, uh, Brian Danielson trying to get Kenny to tap out to the LaBelle lock, which was his finisher in in WWE. Uh, But finally, the thing that puts Kenny away is uh, Brian Danielson switching back to his pre-WWE finisher, Cattle Mutilation, which is a weird submission hold that looks brutal. (laughs) Uh, Kenny, (laughs) crucially, does not tap out to Cattle Mutilation. With one second on the clock, Kenny Omega passes out from the pain, and the, the, the ref declares Brian Danielson the winner. He could not hold on for that one second, and that leaves just the AEW title. Kenny, who is now all of his friends are starting to abandon him. The Good Brothers are no longer associating with him. Adam Cole is actively snipping at his heels for, like, to be the the, the leader of this group. Uh, he goes into revolution against the man that he turned his back on to start this journey. Hangman Adam Page. While Kenny Omega has been surrounding himself by people who only want to curtail on his success who don't raise him up, but in fact tear him down. Adam Page has found uh, has found friendship and camaraderie and a good relationship with the Dark Order, a cult of guys who are nice. They're still a cult, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I love the Dark Order. Um, and this is how it happens in real life. Adam Page defeats Kenny Omega in an extremely cathartic match uh, to win the AEW title. Kenny Omega, now with no gold, sinks off uh, and finds his way off of television in real life because he's so fucking injured. He is, he wrestled the entire year injured for four or for three different promotions in real life. Uh, and he goes to have multiple surgeries. This is the end of belt collector Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Uh, at the end, being uh, brought about his hubris and the things that he always does when he wants to succeed, is extremely self-destructive and surround himself by a- with assholes who only uh, want to curtail on or to coat ride his success uh, as opposed to, you know, be his actual friends, except for the Young Bucks. They're always pretty ride or die for Kenny. <laughs> well, that's good. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that, that that's how I would redo it, mostly because I wanted to everybody wanted to see Kenny Omega wrestle fucking someone from New Japan. Uh, and it just did not happen, and it sucked shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he could have wrestled anybody. I went with who was actually the, the champion at the time, which was Tetsuo Naito. Uh, but he could have wrestled his longtime rival, uh, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, that would have been also a really banger match. Uh, pretty much anyone from New Japan would have put on a really fun match with Kenny. That would have had a lot of history. But he never got there. But that is the, the big fancy storyline. Um, I will talk about more weird storylines if you want, though. Uh, I do love <laughs> we- the weird side of professional wrestling. I do love, like, the really cathartic bits of professional wrestling, though, too. Like, I love, because the the fun thing about watching Belt Collector Kenny Omega was watching a guy who was, like, full-on having an identity crisis about not being, some like, being called the best in the world and then not being that. Uh, and just playing into every bad impulse that he ever had to be able to get to the top, but not be able to hold it because he just doesn't, uh, he just doesn't have the ability to push himself that far. Yeah. I, I like hearing (laughs) weird wrestling stories. Um, what is it? Weren't they doing like weird metatextual stuff when they were trying to perform during the height of the pandemic with empty stadiums? Oh yeah, the 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 empty stadium era of professional wrestling is extremely fucking weird. WWE uh did not know how to adjust very well, though. WrestleMania happened right as everything started shutting down in 2020. Um, and so they still had a two night. Re- so WrestleMania for a number of years was creeping longer and longer. Literally in like 2018, it was like seven fucking hours long for the pay per view. Um. Oof. People realized that's too goddamn long, and so they broke WrestleMania across two days, Saturday and Sunday. It's the biggest wrestling event of the year. It's fine. But they still did the two-night pay-per-view. They just did it in an empty arena, which is really weird. Uh, But they also had a couple of pre-taped matches, quote-unquote matches. Um, (laughs) Cinematic matches. (laughs) Theater of the mind matches. Yeah. 
one was which was John Cena versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt, where the Fiend, a supernatural clown monster, uh, pulled John Cena into a liminal space where John Cena had to to fight his literal past and the perceptions of himself as a professional wrestler, and he lost. <laughs> and then the next night, the Undertaker fought AJ Styles in a graveyard, uh, and it was also great. <laughs> uh, AEW did a few pre-taped matches, but theirs were a lot less supernatural. They did things like the stadium stampedes, because Tony Khan owns a literal stadium, and they had a big fight throughout the stadium. There were a lot of fun little vignettes of, like, they would just film different sections and play them. It was real fun. It was a real fun time. It was just a little less, like, wacky than the the WWE ones. But those are also, like, the only two... WWE tried another cinematic match with Randy Orton and, the, and Edge that wasn't as good because it wasn't as weird. Uh, it was just a match, but, like, shot with a and 24 frames like <laughs> and low <laughs> angles like it wasn't like super duper uh interesting by comparison and like the stadium stampede is functionally the same thing but AEW did like weird shit with the spaces so but yeah the the pandemic era was really really weird for wrestling a, a an art form built exclusively on audience feedback <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it also just felt weird to watch wrestling in empty buildings, uh, like on television. Cause like they would just, cause what the promotions would do is they would just cloister up and they would just pre-film instead of having everybody there every Wednesday, they would just pre-film a whole bunch of, um, material then, you know, they'd film for one day a month and then everybody would be off and then everybody come back for filming to try and limit the number of people who were in the building at the time and all that jazz. Except for WWE, who started going back to live way earlier than everyone else, because they created the Thunderdome. I'm that's not a they called it that, not me. <laughs> uh, it is an arena filled with television screens that people like zoomed on. Like you, you could sign up to be one of the people watching on your webcam on the little television screen. That is wild. In oh, the wow. audience, <laughs> yeah. And then a person would tell you to yay or boo uh, accordingly. <laughs> It would have one of the signs of, like, applause. Yeah. Like, you would have, like, a person who, like, there would be somebody on your, like, in your little dash to tell you, like, you're supposed to cheer for this and you're supposed to boo for this. Because uh, WWE does hates organic anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we also saw, like, the rise of other fun gimmicks at this time. This is saw the rise of uh, Orange Cassidy, uh, a wrestler who yeah. doesn't care, really yeah. doesn't give a shit. He's my favorite. I, do, I don't know wrestling, but he's my favorite. He's really good. He's so good. He is, in fact, a TBS, like Warner Media, who is the 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 media partner for AEW in America, at least. Uh, he is literally their favorite wrestler. He's the first wrestler they made a, a TV vignette for. Not the champion of the promotion, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Warner Bros. owns AEW? They don't own AEW. They're their uh, TV distributor. Oh, okay. Because I yeah. was going to be like, they could put Orange Cassidy in that Warner Brothers crossover game. <laughs> oh, that would be real dope. Because uh, I'm yeah. I'm very worried about the AEW video game. It's not looking great. There's uh, an AEW video game? <laughs> yeah, it's being produced by Ukes. Like, it's being produced by the same people who made the, like, uh, the, the venerated uh, N64 uh, wrestling games. Oh. <laughs> I'll rent it at Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> it apparently it's going to be more like smackdown like raw versus smackdown this is all like i don't play a lot of wrestling video games to begin with because like your options are uh the AEW or the wwe games that are extremely hit or miss or fire pro wrestling which is like a japanese uh wrestling game that's very fun but uh extremely detailed by comparison i just want an arcade garbage <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah weird gimmicks are real fun i i like I, I don't know. I have a weird relationship when it comes to Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega, the, the hearing about the Golden Lovers is what got me back into professional wrestling when Kenny was still in Japan and when that was finally kind of coming to fruition after like six years of Kenny and Kota not being in actual storylines together but continuing to have a storyline that they just decided to do themselves. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, cool. Wrestling can be weird and kind of gay. Uh, <laughs> and then I found I watched WWE for a few years. But when AEW kind of like popped off, I was really excited because AEW is not a perfect company. They have a lot of fucking problems. Their women division, one big fucking problem in AEW. And Tony Khan is a billionaire and none of them are good. Yeah. But when AEW uh, like launched, they one of the first people they put on a mic was Sonny Kiss, a gender fluid wrestler who I had watched in Lucha Underground and I loved significantly. And Nyla Rose, an out trans woman um, whose wife is delightful to follow on Twitter. And it's like, okay, well, uh, all right, let, let's go, AEW. Let's see what you can do. And for the most part, AEW is pretty good. They didn't sign Logan Paul. Uh, that's a thing that happened today in the world of wrestling that made me go absolutely feral. That Logan Paul is a contracted wrestler for WWE. <laughs> well, they can have him. Why, why Paul? Why, why the Pauls? In general, why? Truly. Um, also, I think he's going to be a good guy. Because <laughs> he was a good... He wrestled at WrestleMania. Because they have celebrities wrestle at WrestleMania all the fucking time. Bad Bunny was on WrestleMania multiple times. He's great. I wish they would sign him to an actual contract. Uh, but he's a he, he's like a person who can make real money. He doesn't need WWE. <laughs> WWE, it's hard to have the highest concentra concentration of people who are absolute shitbags in professional wrestling. But WWE is really fucking going for it right now. <sighs> well, when you have a boss like Vince McMahon, it probably just is a magnet. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. I'll go off. <laughs> <laughs> Professional wrestling is my super problematic fave. Um, I love it quite a bit. Uh, it's very important to me. I was a big fan of wrestling as a child uh, because I am a I'm a good Southern boy who loved WCW, who loved Sting. Uh, and by the time I got back into professional wrestling, um, I had learned that Sting's career had been ended. That was real fun. <laughs> uh, but wrestling is a really fun art form. Uh, it's silly and it's weird and it's not very complicated. Um, it's just good guys and bad guys in the biggest, loudest way you possibly can. In that way, it's very similar to like a lot of Sentai programming or, or like comic books, like where you have fairly clearly defined like heroes and villains. And the fact that it's like a, a weird fake fight never bothers me. Like I like other actual combat sports. I watch... Like, I watch MMA, like, I watch uh, other combat sports. I like bare-knuckle boxing that I find on YouTube. <laughs> There's, like, an actual bare- <laughs> This is not, like, people fighting in a backyard. This is, like, an actual league for bare-knuckle boxing. But, like, if I want to watch a real fight, I'll go watch a real fight. But I want to watch, a, like, an extremely athletic story that I'm going to go watch professional wrestling. Like, I'm going to go watch my weird wizards and my sad gamer boys- uh, go get into fights to work out their feelings because they don't understand how to do anything but punch. Yep. <laughs> so that is my big pitch. Uh, go watch professional wrestling. If you're like, Brian, the thing that you said sounds interesting, but like, I don't want to watch. I want to watch something like more explicitly gay and less uh, corporately controlled. Boy, do I have a good pitch for you. Is this episode going to go out before August the 6th? Um, no, it's going to be August 10th. No, past Tanner, this is future Tanner, and you're wrong, because Brian said August and you thought he said July. Everything that Brian is saying has already happened in the past is actually still going to happen in the future because this episode came out in July. So if you're listening to it, when the episode is new, then the stuff that is going to happen is still going to happen in the future. Unless, of course, you're listening to it after, in which case it did happen in the past. Listen, time is weird, and I haven't eaten dinner yet, and I'm editing this very late. But just just go to the thing that Brian's promoting, okay? Okay. Okay. Well, you can probably still find reruns of it on the internet. It will be posted to YouTube, I believe, afterwards. But we, Standing Stones, the podcasting group that I am part of, we are uh, sponsoring a pay-per-view coming up called Wrestle Queerdom. Uh, it's happening in New Hampshire. Uh, it is an all-trans and non-binary wrestling event. It should be real fun. Uh, we believe in this greatly. Uh, we believe in it enough that we're one of the four logos you're going to see on the canvas. <laughs> that awesome. sounds awesome. Um, it's gonna, it's great. It's You can find the pay-per-view link. It doesn't matter because the pay-per-view's already happened. 
So, I just realized. <laughs> but uh, follow Transgraps on YouTube. Wrestle Queerdom. You'll find it on Twitter. Uh, Sally, who, who's the person I primarily talk to at Transgraps. She's not the only person at Transgraps, but she's real nice. Uh, she's doing something really, really, really fucking hard uh, and frankly killing it. So very excited for this event. Um, but you can also find other like there's tons of queer promotions. There's tons of indie wrestling. Indie wrestling is super, super fun, especially right now. It's recovering from the pandemic. It got hurt really bad in the pandemic. Yeah. But it is reviving. Uh, there's lots of like queer, trans, non-binary wrestlers out there that you can go follow. And it's a great time. Uh, wrestling is good. Sometimes wrestling makes you cry. Uh, it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. The end, I guess. This is my... <laughs> I am done with wrestling now. All of my wrestling has been expelled from me. This is not true. For now. <laughs> this is yeah. not true. I could probably go on for another three hours. Yeah, you you managed your, your daily info dump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, Brian, you promised you would give us a whole smorgasbord of projects you're involved with. Would you like to tell us what they are? Good lordy, let me tell you. Um, so I uh, am part of a podcasting group called Standing Stones. You can find us on Twitter at Stones underscore Standing because Standing Stones was already taken on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> there you can find a card that links to all of our shows, but we pretty much run the gambit of uh, actual play podcasts and talking about children's media. Those are our two wheelhouses. Primarily, my show is The Room Where It Happened, an actual play podcast. Uh, right now, we're in our third season. Uh, we are playing um, Urban Shadows 2nd Edition. I had I forgot there. Uh, it's set in basic. I say Urban Shadows, but I've set it in rural Appalachia in East Tennessee. It's my home with the with the serial numbers filed off and vampires added in. <laughs> uh, so if you want like a lot of vampires and werewolves and eldritch horror with an extremely like uh, class conscious Southern Appalachian spin, please come check out uh, the room where it happened. You can also find me on uh, Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Uh, that's an actual play podcast playing a, a game called Idiot Teenagers with a Death Wish. It's basically Animorphs. It's Animorphs. I'm not even saying basically. It's Animorphs. Uh, yeah. But in a different sort of timeline. Um, we have deviated so far from Animorphs canon, it is wild. Uh, <laughs> absolutely batshit shit <laughs> like going on. Uh, so please come check out, uh, that that's, uh, DKPH pod on Twitter. And then finally things that I'm directly involved in. You can find me talking about Steven universe, uh, with my co-host August. We watch three episodes of Steven universe every other week. We just recently started, uh, actually by, by the time this comes out, we're like halfway through season five. We're barreling through this motherfucker, uh, that you can find us on, uh, that's gay space rocks. Um, and you can find that on Twitter at GaySpacePod. I never post there, but you can find the link to the RSS feed there. Um, and we and were on we an have... episode. Yeah, oh, yes. they were on this episode. You should come listen. It's great. We love Steven Universe over at, on the show where we watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can also hear our other shows. We have uh, Follow the Leader. Uh, that is a show that pri- primarily plays GM-less tabletop RPGs. Uh, they roll with a bunch of different characters, but like use a lot of stock characters in their games. So it's uh, they're they're reimagining their own characters into different scenarios. It's a very very fun time. And then also um, there's the Escafil Files. Danielle, who is the the GM for Dumb Kids Playing Hero, has a, a show where she and our friend Jade read the Animorphs book series and talk about it. I hear it's very good. I've purposefully divorced myself from Animorphs canon, so I don't try and bleed it into our other game um i was on an episode i only i've only read one uh animorphs book which one was it it's the one with the weird alien toilet oh yeah that one was fun yeah that's the only animorphs book i've read and i've been on a show that's been running for three years where we play the animorphs so (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah you can check all of that out again at stones underscore standing uh we're we we have a fun time over there but also make sure you check out transgraps on uh youtube if you were vaguely interested in the wrestling stuff uh 
Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at RoomwarePod. I basically just use the Room Where It Happens Twitter as my own personal Twitter. Uh, so you'll find a lot of, like, radical leftist politics and me uh, yelling about wrestling on this brand Twitter. <laughs> so hit me up there if you ever, if you want to get into wrestling. I have th- I have a three-match YouTube playlist that get- guarantees hooks everybody every time. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right, and Lindsay, how about yourself? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and if you can remember the 33 and a third percent of those letters, and then you add that to the other 75% of letters that you already remembered, then that's 144% of the letters in our podcast title. Beautiful. That was a thing of fucking beauty. <laughs> you can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and how many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> <laughs> And you could also send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. But either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or your indie wrestling league. <laughs> Not if I reboot you first, it's a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. Our theme music is done by Sean Clake, and his content info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to me uh, read out my basically my wrestling fan fiction for an hour. <laughs> your, your A-E-W-A-U? <laughs> yeah, my... <laughs> Nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> Anyways, would you, would you guys like a hint for next week? Absolutely. Why, yes. Well, next week we have another guest. And she will not be rebooting The Crow. (laughs) That really narrows it down. Different bird. Related, but different. Yes, there might be a raccoon too, if I remember correctly. (laughs) But yeah, we'll deal with that corset next week. But not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye.